Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Allianz Supporting all 32 counties Through the Allianz Leagues Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Allianz I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio As always by Michael Verney Michael, hello How are you, Will? I'm good. What do you think of the new setup? This yeah, is our, it's nice, our isn't it? Ba- it's a, brand new studio. I think that it kind of suits us, isn't it? It Very does. Where, yeah, it's a studio befitting of our talents. <laughs> I feel finally, we, you know, it matches our great broadcasting prowess. I feel like I'm in Sky Sports News or something like that. You know, big, <laughs> big video wall behind us. We're getting there. We are. How are things? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good weekend. Were yeah. you up late last night? Watched the Super Bowl like I was. No, I wasn't actually. No, um, I not. Yeah. I I enjoy the tactics of the NFL, but I've, I don't have the channels at home, so I never really got into it. Yeah. Um, reveal all about it. And yeah, it was an upset, was it? it yeah, it was yeah. a late, yeah, a late comeback by the Kansas City Chiefs to win. I think their first Super Bowl in fifty years. So one of the uh, long uh, NFL droughts was ended last night, and uh, no, that was a very enjoyable game. Uh, I did fall asleep for some of the third quarter, I will admit, uh, but I got up for the fourth quarter finally, at least. So I got to see the end. No, very entertaining. Controversial touchdown. Was it our play? One of my friends, he could have been talking to his pocket, but he said it was either, I don't know if he said it was offside or he said the ball was our play, but he regularly talks to his pocket. So Yeah, I, I don't recall any of them back. being, oh, there was one where, yeah, he kind of like reached to put it over the goal line for the touchdown and it looked like he might have had his foot on the line. Okay. But it was hard to tell in in real time in, in the replay or in real time. So I think so. He definitely was talking with his pocket. No, no to be fair, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give your friend, you know, a complete uh, lambasting for it. But uh, no, it was very enjoyable. A little bit tired this morning, not too bad. So I'm hoping to, to power through. We're going to have John Brennan from the Sunday World in Studio in just a bit. Who was the halftime show actually? Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, very good. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. Now any uh, wardrobe malfunctions? No. Oh, hey, no, there wasn't. I don't know what to say to that. But no, <laughs> no, no, it was. That was one of the most controversial moments. <laughs> Like Super Bowl history back in the day. Uh, we're going to have David Brady on to talk football as well, and we're going to be joined by John Milan for, for the hurling chat. Uh, another exciting weekend of, of, of Alliance League action. Yeah, it was brilliant, yeah. Um, you kind of just find your whole kind of weekend taken up by it, and it's it's great. Like between football and hurling Saturday night and uh, all the matches yesterday, Strategic Cat had two or three games on yesterday. And I was down, down in Limerick. I suppose one of the results of the weekend, actually, we'll probably get into it later on. Um, big result for Monaghan against, against Tyrone. Mm. Um, the Cotton McShane thing seems seems to be kind of hanging over Tyrone. Nobody knows really what's going on, but yeah. it's kind of looking like he's not going to be staying around the longer longer it goes on. Big win for Banty um, after getting be- beaten by a pint by Galway last week. Yeah, Banty was loving it after the final whistle. I saw he's, he's a great character to have back involved, isn't he? Oh, he's a deadly character. Yeah, he's just um, he's one of the, for from a journalist's point of view, he's very colourful and he's going to give you what you want, really. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we might as well get right into it now. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by John Brennan and on the line by David Brady. And John, I guess we've started the Allianz Football League with two kind of heavyweight clashes. We had Dublin Kerry last weekend. There was, you know, fireworks at that one, a really good game. Probably not quite as uh, exciting or free-flying. Dublin Mayo and Castle Barnes Saturday night, uh, Dublin got the win ultimately after Mayo were reduced to 14 men early on in that game. But did, did we learn anything major, do you think, about either team? Yeah, both both managers were at that kind of thing, but the game died a death the minute Jordan Flynn yeah. got the red card. It was just unfortunate. Uh, Mayo, a youngish Mayo team, were never going to have the legs for uh, for Dublin for playing 45 minutes with 14 men. It was never going to happen. Dublin, the minute they got the goal, they just eased to victory. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite the fireworks. We, we had a good game down in Tralee with Kerry and Galway, all right. But uh, yeah, the league is getting started. I think a big thing for Mayo, I've been thinking about Mayo this year, Right now, you'd probably say they're the best of the rest behind Dublin, Kerry, maybe Galway and Donegal. And I think a big thing for Mayo this year, I was just looking ahead, not only do they have to get into the Connacht final, which they haven't managed for three years, they have to win the flipping thing. Because this year, the draw for the Super 8s, if they're not in the, if they don't win the Connacht title, they're going in most likely with Dublin and Kerry. And I just don't think at their stage of the development, they need that kind of thing. If they want to go deep into this year's All-Ireland, they have to do what they haven't done for three years, which is win the Connacht title. And James Horn is looking for players who will help him do that. He's lost Andy Morton. He's lost one or two other senior guys from the squad, like Jer Cafferk who would have a big influence on young players coming through but he's lost them now completely so he's just trying to build he probably would have wanted to take something out of it looking at the table unfortunately at the moment they're in the relegation zone and Mayo are longer in Division 1 than any other team Dublin and Kerry included they probably want to stay there probably just want to finish mid-table are they worried about defending their league title? No I'd say for James Horn right now the Connacht title is the beginning, middle and end of everything this year yeah, bringing David Brady on the line there. You know, obviously John is looking ahead t- towards summer action, but I guess in the here and now, what what would you think James Oren's priorities are in this league? Obviously, that long Division One record is something that they take a lot of pride in. Like they battle very hard on the final day and a couple of occasions to stay up. You know, what would you be looking for Mayo to get out of it? So I think what James Horn uh, would be looking for, and I think um, Mayo supporters in general, is consistency. I think if you look back, we had the yin and yang the last two years. Kevin McLaughlin scoring a point in the last seconds down in Bally Buffet two years ago where you have the opposite national winning the National League. Um, for me, and again, if you look back at all the National Leagues and all the campaigns, whether Stephen Rashford or, or James Horn, what has, what has happened is there's been a, a, an integration of youth and kind of some new fresh faces in a lot of the first, second and third games. But I think what, it, what has happened then is that there's been so many players missing that these guys get left out and miss out in the last two or three games when, it's, when it comes to the crunch. And uh, I don't know do they get a fair crack of the whip because, for me, uh, the best performers, the, the most consistent performance, were the likes of Boric O'Hora. Um, and in the back line with Ushin Mullen, uh, a young, fine um, guy from a, a club called Kilmain. These guys are good performers, and I think they need to be consistently given the opportunity no matter what the result is or no matter what the overall team result is. And I think uh, James, James Horan needs, to, needs to, to, to breed that along with some, some new integration of the players in the forward line. Yeah, and David, obviously not getting the victory means it's sort of 16 matches stretching back to 2012 where Mayo failed to beat Dublin. Like, how big is that? How, does that, how large does that loom within Mayo football? You know, when your biggest rivals, you haven't even beaten them in a league game in, in eight years. Well, how does it loom in a player's mind, never mind a supporter's mind? Mm. And I will say, and I, I, John Brennan is a man with stats and everything else, I will consistently 
consistently say that in each and every one of Mayo's games, especially against Dublin of all teams, but in a lot down the last two or three years, it's been a consistent thing that they go 10 minutes, they go 15 minutes, and they go 20, 25 minutes without scoring. Yeah. And you, 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 have to, you have to come, that has to be brought to the table and discussed and rectified. How do you stop that? Like that is, there are massive periods in a game where you're not contributing on the scoreboard. Is it because one, you don't have the ball, or two, like was the case in Saturday night, the players in the wrong situations, in the wrong positions, and, and, and the, the wrong type of players, backs, halfbacks, cornerbacks, taking shots that should be brought in and made easier. Once you have the ball, you control who, uh, who takes it off you. Mm. And David, or Michael, in contrast to Mayo's kind of long spell against Dublin without scoring, Dublin didn't hit a wide in the second half. Very, very efficient. And they're sitting, in contrast to Mayo, with an unbeaten start, albeit a draw against Kerry. But two games that looked very tricky for Desi Farrell to start a new reign, and he's gotten out of them, you know, with, with, without a defeat. Yeah, it's a lovely start, realistically, coming from behind against Kerry and obviously being relatively dominant the other night. It probably uh, affords him the situation now where he played nearly his strongest 15 both days, Whereas as the league goes on now, he can start integrating. He can start maybe playing 10 or 11 and start integrating a lad, maybe cornerback or wingback or someone into the forwards. So he's in a lovely position. And he, not saying that there was pressure on, but if they just say if they'd been beaten in the first two games, it wouldn't exactly be the ideal start. Whereas now, he can still put out most of his team, blood more players, find out a bit more about his squad. And it's probably now that he'd probably start learning. He, he, he probably knew what those guys were going to deliver. He knew what the Kieran Kilkenny's, the Brian Fenton's, the James McCarthy's were going to deliver. Now he's going to get the chance to introduce some fresh faces and learn for later on the year. So it's an ideal scenario for him. Yeah, because it's not it's no harm to maybe give some of these guys a rest because even in the first two weeks, like Kieran Kilkenny has been playing really well. Like some of their main guys have, have hit the ground running. So he doesn't really need to see much that much more of him, does he? Not really. He probably would like, maybe he'd like to get to the league final. He certainly doesn't want to get drawn into a relegation battle because then suddenly he has to haul back the likes of Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion and stuff like that. He'll just want to lope along in the league. He'll have targeted their next game, which is Monaghan next Saturday. If they win that, which they would expect to win, that's five points. They're well on the way to the league final by then, which is fine by him. And yeah, then he can go looking. I'm sure he's brought on one or two other lads that even people close to the Dublin football scene mightn't have known at minor level. Now, they knew the, the Prince Harry lookalike, Aaron Bourne. He was an outstanding minor a couple of years ago. They mightn't have known this lad, Dan O'Brien, who played on Saturday night. He he seems to have come from absolutely nowhere, but uh, he's a good lad. And I'd say, there's like Michael says, there's probably two or three more of them somewhere waiting for a game later on in the, in the league against the likes of Mead, say, or Galway. Uh, when maybe Dublin's fate might already be determined. Yeah, and David, with with a new manager in and Desi Farrell, and you know, I asked you a few minutes ago about James Horan's priorities. Like, is it important for Dublin and Desi Farrell to, to stamp their authority, get back to a league final, or is it again trying to discover a couple of new players to with an eye to further down the track in the championship? Yeah, I think it's a bit, a little bit of both. I think Desi will definitely be happy because look at, in, for all intents and purposes, in the in the Curry game, there could have been a scenario. Um, if Mayo had performed, if the sending off hadn't occurred, that, that may have been pushed to the wire to a degree. Um, but Desi would be very happy with the start because what he has and what he wants and what a manager wants is consistency. And whether it's it's Kieran Kilkenny playing every game, the Brian Fenton's playing every game, which they, these guys have been challenged and they are consistently put out week in, week out, and they're asked to deliver. Um, Desi will have his own mind and his own thoughts on players. Um, whether it's it's the Aaron Burns in this world or, or the Conor McHugh's or, or 
Sean Buglers, the, the guys that you actually say, you know what, these guys can make an impact, um, but they're going to be they're going to be pushed to their max because the cavalry hasn't arrived yet. Um, we have, you know, the Jim Connellys, the the the. You know, it's the, the the caliber of players that will come back and compete for places. Um, it's phenomenal. But Desi will have a mantra like Jim Gavin: "If you have the jersey, it's up to someone else to take it off you. You won't be uh, you won't be just handed it." Yeah, Michael. And just to finish up on the game itself, like, do you, do you think that red card was warranted? It was a high challenge, but it was one of those ones that it still looked kind of harsh. I thought it was harsh, to be yeah. fair. Um, I, I, I suppose intent is the word that's often used. I, ju- I just didn't think there was much intent. It was maybe just a bit clumsy, maybe more than anything I else. I thought it was the fact that it was at the head. If he yeah. had slapped him like that around the chest or around the waist or something like that, yellow card, play on, give Dublin a free. It was the fact that it was just up at the head. It was still probably on the wrong side of harsh, yeah. You're looking yeah. at John Conlon's one in the hurling then as well, and you're yeah. kind of thinking... Oh, yeah, there was a few smacks in yeah. the hurling yesterday. The fellas got yellow cards for a lot worse. Yeah, David, you want to come in there? Yeah, I do, and I, I think what you've got to be as a player, whether you're, you're, it's your first year like Jordan, and this is a guy that I suppose took, took a lot of, I suppose, flack from a performance in, a, in, a, in an incident under, in another 20 game. But you cannot, in any way, shape, or form, put that in the mind of the referee. Is it a yellow or is it a red? Yeah. You know, when you have, when you commit, and the ball is not there, simple as, mm. and the hand is high, and the arm is out, you're putting the referee in a scenario where he has to decide. You don't do that. And I think that's, that's what you've got to learn. Whether it was a red or what is a yellow, man, you, don't put it, you don't put it in the mind of the referee. Yeah, and John Small always seems to be the one on the receiving end of these incidents. For, 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 like yeah. Don't make it easy for a referee. Yeah, yeah, and, and just moving on to the other game on Saturday night, then that was you know a really exciting clash: Kerry versus Galway and Tralee. In I guess contrast to how they finished the game in Croke Park, Kerry did get the latest scores they needed to get the victory. But it was a really exciting game, and I think a lot of people came away from it thinking that these could be maybe challengers number two and three heading into you know later in the year. Yes, two sides that want to play football realistically, no more than Dublin as well. Uh, it's very very easy to watch in the eye watched Galway the week before and while things didn't stick maybe in some balls into the full forward line didn't stick it was all really really positive uh, it was kick passes it was nice and swift and they always wanted to give uh, they always wanted to take the right option and that's what it was the other night as well and just uh, just looking at like Shane Walsh you just love to see uh, you love to see him playing with that kind of freedom you know the talent that he has and like he can terrorise defences and you're kind of hoping that he's able to keep that form throughout the year I think Park Joyce giving him captaincy seems to it's kind of it's almost like a statement to mm. say uh, I know how good you are I just want you to be more consistent you're a leader now with this team so you need to be and you have to be more consistent and just on the flip side of that as well like Kerry kind of probably got out of jail I know the, the Killian McDade black card I know Park Joyce was happy with that and I believe he was in the bin for 12 minutes in the wind up as well but definitely two football insides um, people realise now teams realise and managers realise at the top level that if you're going to beat Dublin you're going to have to beat them playing football so I think that's the approach that teams are starting to take Yeah it's a funny one when Galway come out after throwing away a late lead and yet people are almost a little bit more positive about them than Kerry after the back of the performance Yeah a lot of people I see a lot of, of the reportage of the game uh, on Saturday night <coughs> is about the fact that Kerry coughed up a lot of goal chances mm. their full back made a great block their keeper made a great save and it is just this issue that the Kerry backs just 
have a little bit of a problem at the moment with the elite forward lines. Now, who are the elite forward lines? Dublin, of course. Galway have a heck of a forward line on paper. And when they get one or two other fellas who are missing at the moment back, they have an even better forward line. So, and with Porrick Joyce coaching them and an attacking style, yeah, you'd think they're going to be a force. But Kerry coughed up a lot of goal chances again. And even even the Kerry lads afterwards were talking about getting out of jail there. So... I think they realised they they got one against the head there. Yeah, and David, as someone who, you know, your county could likely play Galway later in the year, does it have you a bit nervous and worried that Porrick Joyce is bringing in this more kind of front foot attacking style? Yeah, it's 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 definitely not not uh, reminiscent of, of the uh, the Kevin Walsh kind of defensive style. Uh, I think the big change is not probably the captaincy given to Shane Walsh, but that's a position in a full forward in a full forward space. Um I think he is flourishing there because the ball has been given to him. Um, he's given the opportunity to take on men, whereas when he was in his in his last role with Kevin Walsh, a lot of his ball was was, was handed to him in his own 40-yard line. He was down defended on his 30-yard line and tried to make it up the field. He has massive potential, mad, uh, massive potency. Um, I do think Peter Kane is holding his cards close enough to his chest. Um, in a scenario like that, he would have a defensive formation. I don't think he'd just play man-on-man man because there was massive amounts of space inside. Um, the likes of Ty Morley in previous years has sat and covered the whole that what didn't happen on Saturday night but from a Connacht perspective um, you know momentum momentum is great and everything else but um, it's looking like Galway are reinvigorated from a from an attacking point of view I will say that from a defensive point of view they, they did show a lot of frailties um, I know with Sean O'Kelly be a, a major loss um, from a point of view where I, I do think that Ty Morley that Clifford and Co. did give the likes of Sean Moncairn a hard time in the full 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 back line. So it's something that is um they have they have strengths, but there's there's weaknesses to be exploited as well. Yeah, Michael, because it is interesting. Obviously, when you do kind of transition to what you want to be more offensive style, there naturally will be more gaps at the back, and it's something they will have to live with. It probably still is worth persisting with it, though, given what we've seen over the last couple of years that the defensive way they were playing was only getting to maybe to, to just below the top to, level. To be fair to Galway last year, there was a huge issue in that two of their outstanding players, Paul Conroy and Damien Comer, were just gone for the year Comer come on at the end of their last match but basically he was gone for the year so while Kevin Walsh was playing a very defensive style his hand was tied a little bit when you take two players of that quality out of your team but yeah Parik Joyce is transitioning and every so often somebody like a Clifford or a Conor Callahan is going to run riot in that Galway defence until they get the hang of what they're trying to do, maybe as just going man-on-man man with players. But I think Michael hit the nail on the head there. We've seen the Tyrones, we've seen the Donegals trying to take down Dublin. If you're going to take down Dublin, you've got to take them down man for man. Mm. And I'll give you the last word on Kerry then, obviously after two games, one win and one draw. But as the lads mentioned, a couple of defensive issues as well, which have shown up before, albeit their attack still looks really sharp. So how, how would you assess them at this stage? Yeah, like they're probably still disappointed they didn't get a result against Dublin, but they still found a way the other night, even though there were problems and they did cough up some goal chances. So I think Peter Keane would be happy enough. He's a bit uh, he's a bit uh, short-staffed at kind of midfield at the moment with, with David Moore now, and he kind of probably had to rush Jack Barry back from his um, his intermediate All-Ireland win with Nagel as well. But I, I think I think he'd be happy enough. We, we still don't know maybe that much, as much about them as we'd like to know defensively. We know what they're going to give up top. They kind of have, Galway are not as far down the line as Kerry, shall we say, defensively. But, 
they're very, very similar in that way. You both know they're, you, you know they're both going to put up a big score, but you know they could also concede a big score. I wouldn't be as worried about the Kerry defence. I think when push came to shove last year, particularly in the drawn game, they were they were teak tough enough defensively and got a lot of their matchups right against Dublin. But it's just something that's going to uh, it's going to just take a bit of time between those two teams to work out. Just kind of just to get that platform defensively yeah and David just on the other two games in Division 1 obviously yesterday Donegal you know produced quite a big win in the end away to Mead and then Monaghan narrow victors over Tyrone did anything jump out at you in either of those matches well the thing is uh, I was at the game in, in, in doing Belly Buffet last week and I was very impressed with the performance by uh, Donegal uh, an overall context backs midfield and especially the forward line really integrating um, it continued yesterday in my mind that uh, scoring three goals and you know the quality for a for a, for a team that couldn't put out fifteen players in the McKenna Cup, they've they've definitely got twenty five from somewhere because um, they're really hitting the ground running. And I think it's going to be um, it's going to be from a Declan Bonner point of view, it's going to be very telling how far they go in the league and uh, what kind of momentum build up because um, they're definitely. They're definitely playing a good brand, a good style, and they seem they seem light in the ground. From a Tyrone Monaghan game, um, it's it's it, it was look at it, it's a derby. I know there was there was some fractious incidents, um, some some not too uh, not too pleasant stories coming out of it of, of altercations. But Monaghan Monaghan uh, they, 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 they kept focused. I think I, I from what I seen of it, I thought um, uh, Tyrone were 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 very very weak in the tackle. They didn't seem to have any momentum or impetus. Uh, which is surprising from a Mickey Hart team in a, in a local derby point of view. But for me, out of the two games, even out of the four games, the, the informed team, I honestly think, is Donegal. And it'll be interesting when they come up against the, the Currys and Dublins of this world. Well, very interesting. David, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. And John, interesting as David says that he thinks Donegal are the form team because even just looking through their, their team sheet and their substitutions and we talk about what different managers want in terms of maybe finding a player or two, it looks like Donegal already have that nucleus. I'd say they're just really ready to go for the championship again to kind of prove themselves after a couple of tough defeats late in the summer of the last two years. Yeah, definitely. Again, I've always said Donegal, with all the all the pieces of the puzzle in place, are one of the few teams can take down Dublin. They have all the pieces of the puzzle. Unfortunately, every year, some piece of the puzzle goes missing. <laughs> uh, poor Audrey McNeilish is not playing this year. They've lost the experience of the like of Frank McLean and Leo McLoon, who mightn't start, but would be good men to bring on. If you're beating Dublin with 15 minutes to go by a point or two, They'd be a great man to you're throw in. You're not making in. your team weaker, basically. You're yeah. not making yeah. your team weaker. And mm. you've got to, again, people say, oh, Dublin's bench is not what it was. It's still bloody strong at the end of a championship match. And those guys would have been perfect. So every year, poor old Declan Bonner seems to lose a cornerstone of what he's trying to do. But yeah, they're a good team. Unfortunately, I'm looking ahead to next week. They're at home to Galway and they've moved the match to Letterkenny. Every year, Donegal insists on playing one match in Letterkenny and they invariably lose. Bally Buffet is a fortress. They invariably lose. And that's a huge game because Donegal v Galway is a massive game already in terms of the last final. two places. Yeah. yeah. If, if Donegal lose that game, even though they're sitting pretty at the moment with three, Galway will go over them and be a point ahead of them. And now suddenly Donegal have still to play Dublin and Kerry and they're trying to play catch-up. Look, Donegal are a heck of a good team. 
I think you're dead right. I think they are a team with serious prospects this year. And when they get the likes of Paddy McBrearty and Ushin Gallon and one or two other fellas back, I think they are in business this year. And I think a lot of those guys, uh, Ushin Gallons and a couple of big injuries, uh, one of, uh, Kieran Thompson is injured as well. Yeah. They're going to be coming back towards Championship as well. Yeah. So it might be different. Last year he was missing lads at the Championship end. Yeah. Maybe he might, hopefully for his sake, he might have all his best lads back when he really needs them. And just on me, you know, already looks like they're facing a very tough task stay in Division 1 they still have to go to Dublin and Kerry and you know, we were chatting beforehand their goalkeeping situation is just almost comical at this stage yeah. I know you did use it in, I think a piece was in the Indo about the, you know, the men of keepers they've used I can't even remember off the top of my head how many it's been yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 11, 11, 11, yeah. 11 since Andy yeah, so yeah, since when? since Andy McIntyre started in 2017 11 keepers yeah. and yeah so if you just so, give us an insight like, into that situation Marcus Brennan who started yeah. yesterday I, I thought it was interesting Mead named their team um, I think Friday night and Barry Dardis was named to play goals Barry Dardis who's one of the best uh, forwards in Mead Summerhill forward uh, helped him win a county title last year Barry Dardis is named in goals and then uh, Marcus Brennan who's the goalkeeping coach he's actually assistant goalkeeping coach to uh, Gary Rogers mm, yeah. who's the Dundalk uh, goalkeeper and uh, so he started I think he's 36 or 37 yeah. and he's officially yeah. retired he was well. the goalkeeper in 2002 while at a minor final yeah, yeah like yeah. that's that's nuts like he actually played last year as well when Andrew Colgan got black carded against Mayo and he started the last game then against Kerry mm. so like but that's just so much uh, jiggery pokery over a period of time Basically, a lot of it comes back to Paddy O'Rourke retired at 28 at the end of 2017 and he would still be the Mead goalie and we probably wouldn't be talking about these problems if he was still there. He's not, but as much as the goalkeeping area is a problem, like they've, oh. a, they've a massive problems up front as well. Mm. Seven points. I think Colin O'Rourke said last night yeah. on the League Sunday show that uh, London seven points against Sligo, that was, the, that was the other lowest score across the four divisions. And that's been a, a problem. Mickey Newman is out for the league. And they just—they're not—they're conceding at one end and have problems yeah. in goals and have serious problems scoring at the other end. It's not a nice cocktail. Yeah, because John, we've seen this before. When a team, even though you really want to get promoted to Division One, it can be a bit of a poison chalice. Like I remember Kildare a couple of years ago lost every single one of their games, and then were defeated by Carlo at the start of the championship, championship yeah. with a low confidence. So it can be a double-edged sword. It can. It's where you want to be because that's where the All Ireland winners come from. What our man two thousand and two, and the last ones not to win the All Ireland from Division One or to win the All Ireland not from Division One. Yeah, but when you look at the statistics uh, they've no points Mayo ahead of them have a point and yet Mead have scored already in only two games five and three eight points less than Mayo already in just two matches it's only going to get worse they seem to have trouble Mickey Newman has gone that other lad Walsh who was excellent yeah, Walsh, yeah. Shane Walsh at the Shane end of the championship Walsh, yeah. last year he's missing at the moment unfortunately he may come back and give them a little bit of scoring power but they seem to be struggling badly at the moment. Yeah, you're right. Probably would they be better off at the moment being top of the dogfight in Division 2? Probably, uh, mentally and in morale-like. But having set their heart last year on, on going up, they did it. They had a half-decent uh, championship in the sense of, OK, the Leinster final, they got there. It didn't work out well. The Super 8s didn't work out well. Now we're looking forward to Division 1 football. And yeah, yesterday, they would have targeted yesterday's match. Like you said, they know they've Dublin and Kerry away late in the game. 
possibility and not many points there. So they certainly would have targeted yesterday for two points and it's gone completely pear-shaped now. Just on me being in Division 1, it's like having a right good schools team at senior level and you have a right good team and most of them are in their leaving cert and then you win the All-Ireland B and you go up to All-Ireland A and all of those good lads are gone the next year. Like me, they're in Division 1 now and but they're not in as good a place as they were yeah. last year. Do yeah. you know, you need to be in the rudest of rude health going into Division well, 1. Now, next Sunday, Mead v Mayo and Navin. Like, the loser of that is in serious trouble. Yeah. If, if Mead lose it, they're gone. If Mayo lose it, they're in serious trouble. And just to maybe wrap up in the football, looking at, across some of the other divisions, I thought for me, just looking at the results, one of the results of the weekend, Leash beating Armagh, who Armagh looked to be wet, very well set for a promotion place. Now you're looking at Leash under Mike Quirk getting a late draw against Ross Common away from home and a, a six point victory over a very good Armagh team. It's a great result for me. Yeah, they beat them comfortably enough, too. They were yeah. they were ahead they were ahead the whole way. I think yeah. it was 8 2 or 8 3 at half time. It's interesting to hear Mike Quirk talk last night. I, I love the old manager talk, like everybody was talking about the players that they're missing. So they're missing Donny and Paul Kingston, two of their best forwards. But they kind of said at the time, and I was chatting to John O'Loughlin before Christmas, that they were hoping lads would step up. And a lot of lads have, have stepped up. You know, and even uh, Kieran Lillis in full forward was brilliant, brilliant yesterday as well. And they're getting, they're putting up big scores. They kicked 214 the week before, and kicked 16, 16 points at the yeah. weekend as well. They're pro- and like that division too is really, really intriguing. Like you have, what, you have seven teams on two points, I think, and mm. one team on one. On one point, yeah. right. two um, points separates first from last. Yeah, and the, <laughs> and the team on one point are the team everyone said is going to go up. Ross Common, who managed to throw it away against Leash last week and against Fermanagh on Sunday, or mm. was it Sunday? Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's going to go down to the word that division. Book your seats for the last round of matches, and of course, the problem with it is whoever finishes in the bottom two is out of the All-Ireland unless they get to their provincial final. Yeah, so round, round six and seven of Division 2 in the Allianz League is going to be some some dogfight. Massive result with, with Kildare and... Yeah, Kildare oh, yeah, well. yeah. Like, um, yeah. I, I want... Like, and they could still get relegated and maybe we'll lose the rest of their games, but when Gary Brennan stepped away from Clare, I thought they were going to be under big pressure. That's a big, big result this early. And a fair setback for Jack O'Connor having yeah. started out. Like, he would have been hoping to get points on the Claire board. Clare will be targeting the matches with Westmead and Fermanagh. Mm. If they, they have two on the board now, if they win those two, that's six. That should be enough to stay up. Even, although as Colin O'Rourke again pointed out, because this division is going to be so tight, usually it takes 10 points to get promoted. And if you don't get four, you, you go down. But teams with a with six points could go down with a bad scoring difference and teams with eight points and a good scoring difference could get into the promotion so yeah. it there's going really to be a lot is of hard, there's going to be a lot of hard luck stories after oh yeah it's going to be a score or two or a referee's yeah. call either way between possibly being promoted and possibly being relegated and the A championship and the B championship yeah. as well later in the oh, year oh that's huge yeah huge and Michael that's the last word in the football Paul Gavin got a, a very important win over yeah. Carlo as well like if, if that had gone pear shaped already with some of the negativity that had maybe been developing maybe it's a bit premature but it had been there regardless it would have been you know, no it's a massive yeah. win uh, Ben Brosnan and Jonathan Beelan did most of the scoring and they were ahead most of the way but one of the most interesting things about the game is that with about 10 minutes to go Carlo were under pressure and they decided to play basically fly keeper and their goalkeeper was everywhere bar the goals <laughs> and Wexford uh, Wexford I think they tried to hit into an open goal and went over the bar and had a wide that uh, was a good goal chance as well but an interesting tactic when you're chasing the game they literally now I, I was chatting with a couple of people that are at the game they just 
he was a fly keeper basically and nobody was dropping back covering the line for him they just obviously were going to take a chance to try and get back into the game but a uh, huge win huge win for Galvin yeah because this that changes the mood the mood now if they'd been beaten they basically had no chance of being promoted now they have a win over one of the other counties that are in contention for promotion and if it comes back to head to head they're in good shape so yeah things can turn can turn week on week in the league well, that's it for football. We'll now turn our attention towards the Alliance Hurling League and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by John Milan. And John, before we get into maybe the specifics of the weekend, we were just chatting a bit off air beforehand about just the league structure in general this year. Obviously, it's been a bit of a revamp. We've an enlarged one A Division 1 rather than the 1A, 1B of the, of the previous kind of couple of years. Does it feel like the edge has been maybe taken a little bit out of things so far? You just see the way maybe some teams have approached it and even just the way it's been set up. You have one kind of very strong uh, half and then one where it's maybe slightly week or so we're getting these kind of strange results and kind of strange matchups as well yeah most certainly it's it's been diluted uh, more or less diluted in regards to the pressure that comes with uh, the previous league campaign that went before us I mean the previous league campaign if you lost your first game or you lost your second game I mean the pressure was on you to, to go all out in the third and fourth game to, to try and stay up and I think the fact that they've taken away the the, the relegation end of it that you know I suppose teams no longer see it that they're going to be relegated compared to the previous years they don't have that pressure of, of, of relegation uh, and I think that was that was massive for the league going forward uh, the, the previous times I mean Cabrera have lost their, their first two games but I think the way managers are seeing this league now it's it's nearly gone down the route of, of nearly a monster league the way they see the Welsh Cup trying out uh, trying to trying out their panels trying to find more depth in that panel, trying to find out a bit more about uh, their players, and we're seeing that the way the way squad rotation is now throughout the course of the last few weekends, managers are are, are trying um, new things, they're trying to come up with new ideas, and most certainly they're trying to find new personnel. Yeah, because Michael, I guess with the way that the championship is now set up with the round robins right from the get-go, it maybe lessens the need for such a competitive league, certainly from the manager's point of view, who are probably happier to have this opportunity, as John says, to, to rotate their teams more. Like, it would be kind of funny if, if the old structure was there, tip two defeats from two as an Ireland champions. We'd be thinking, oh, well, what's, what's wrong in Tipperary? But as it stands, I don't think people are, are, are really... It, too plussed about it. I remember doing a piece in 2017 when Kilkenny lost the first two games and it was almost like, you know, quite questioning Brian Cody, not, you know, to some yeah. extent, but it's, it's, it's totally different now. Um, as Mull was saying there, like with the Munster Championship now, you've got four games in probably six weeks, so you need a load of bodies and the league is, this This is what the league is for to me, like the league is to get lads ready for championship, find out new, find out some uh, new new lads that you can have and increase your squad depth and that's kind of what the league is now. I tell you what though, the interest uh, levels from supporters and fans is definitely not way and I was down in Limerick yesterday, there was just over 14,000 there mm. and there was people streaming in from one o'clock onwards. Um, there was big crowds in West Wexford as well. There was a big crowd down in Cork the other night. I don't know what happened with, with supporters coming in late or what the story was, but there was people still teaming in 20 minutes into the game. So while maybe you think the competition might have been diluted, the interest definitely isn't anyway. And the 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 games maybe not being as competitive lends itself to can lend itself to very entertaining games as well. Like Cork and Tip was very, very entertaining. Big high-scoring game. Um, Limerick and Galway maybe not as much yesterday because Limerick were able to ground them down. But still some very, very interesting games. Even though like the prospect of relegation is now out the door for anyone in 1A and 1B because they know 
that in 1A they know they have to beat Westmead that's the only game they have to win basically to stay up and likewise in 1B if you take care of uh, Leash and Carlo, you're going to stay up so that kind of threat is gone away from I'd say the top tier teams Yeah John I guess if you're just really focusing on the weekend's action then Limerick's victory over Galway is probably the most standout result you know winning so comfortably I think 8 point victors in the end and now after 2 weeks albeit as we've mentioned a lot of qualifiers about what the league really means but Limerick their comeback win against Tip you know their big win against Galway if there were any fears after how they relinquished the Royal Island title and some of the off field stuff in the summer (laughs) yeah it seems like they've really you know hit the ground running once again yeah, and they're going to be there this summer. They were one flick of a hurley that nobody saw in Crow Park, at least in real time, away maybe from being in an All-Ireland final last year. They're a heck of a good team. Uh, they, they've they put any mental baggage from last year behind them. Okay, there was a few outbursts off the pitch and whatever and stuff like that. I think they're going to be there or thereabouts again this year. Now, the problem, as John alluded to, their division is, is a mini little Munster Championship, and they're all knocking socks off each other and looking at things and whatever they would have wanted to beat Galway to lay down a marker for what happened in the All-Ireland final two years ago they played really well they have players to come back we were looking at the players who didn't play for Limerick yesterday or at least didn't start for Limerick and it's a heck of a good team in itself they're going to be around this they are going to be around in late July and early August this year just on what you were saying Liz, about, uh, Will about the structure of the championship the one good thing about it is it gives Leash, Carlo and Esmead a chance to play against the top teams. Under the old structure, only one of them would be in Division 1. The others would be scrapping down with Antrim and Kerry and Mead and, God help us, Michael Offaly, trying to get back up. Uh, you know, and would they be better playing against each other at that level or do they get a chance to, to, to play against the top counties when, as you said, the top counties are not, you know, not death or glory. This isn't a situation like we had in the Hurling League a few years ago where counties were queuing up to Hockey Carlow because they had to for their, for their score difference. It's not like that now in the league. You're right. You've only got to beat Westmead in Division 1. You've got to pick off either Leash or Carlow in Division 2. So the pressure isn't there. But it's given those three counties a chance to play Division 1 Hurling. And someone will come up from Antrim, Kerry, Mead, Offaly next year and take the place of one of those teams and get at least a cut off it. There's that about it. And I think maybe that with the, it's not a bad idea, Michael, with the pressure of the Munster and Leinster Championships now where you have to play what's it four matches in six weeks Mm. and it's death or glory and four good teams are finished in early June like Galway and Clare last year and like Waterford you know so maybe it's a bit it's a better structure for the league all told it probably is for for the championship it's probably a better structure for for managers and for counties I'd say managers are a lot more happy with it yeah just for supporters I guess but they're turning up in their droves there was people walking behind the goal at Cork and Tipperary obviously some (laughs) styles or something weren't working but for the first 20 minutes at Cork and Tipperary the other night where people walking behind the goal from one stand to the other, obviously, to get a seat. Yeah, maybe it's just me who doesn't like it. It seems like everyone else actually isn't too... too either, you know either that or John Milan was on the far side and they were all going they were all over, going over for the selfies. Talk. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, John, just on, I guess, the Limerick-Galway game, Like, where do you think Galway are at off the moment? Obviously, they won the All-Ireland in 2017 and there was a sense going into 2018 and it could be you know a couple of years of, of Galway at the top table or even dominating. Now, you know, with Michal who leaving, they have a new manager in. It just feels like some of the momentum and they generated has gone away a little bit. Yeah, well, that that can that can quite easily happen, I suppose. They were after doing a considerable amount of hurling long before uh, they won the All Ireland in twenty seventeen. I mean, they've been knocking on the door. That that squad of players have been knocking on the door for the best part of five or six years before they they um, finally got over the line in twenty seventeen. Then you throw in the All Ireland 
final then the following year in uh, 2018. So a lot of those players have been have been on the road for for a long time throughout the course of this decade. I suppose you are going to have a, a lapse, and the lapse came last year uh, when they were when they were beaten up in up in Parnell Park. And I think the main thing for Shane O'Neill now is is trying to unearth four or five players, and probably in defence is where he's got to go and probably find them. Uh, you know, Shane Coney probably showed up well. Yes, they still have the bulks to come back. I, I would say Finton Burke of St Thomas's. He will play a major part from this year. He was a big loss to him last year when he when when he got injured. And then I suppose up front uh, they have they have the firepower up front. I mean, you go through the players: Jason Flynn, Connor Whelan, uh, Carl Mannion. They're only all coming into their prime. And I suppose Joe is going to be a key figure. Sean Sean Lennon showed up very well yesterday. So, but I think the main thing for Shane O'Neill is trying to honour four or five players throughout the course of this uh, throughout the course of this league, and that will stand them in good stead going forward for the summer. Yeah, Michael, do you think there are four or five players to bring in? Uh, TJ Brennan was good yesterday cornerback I hadn't seen much of him up until I saw a bit of the West Mead game uh, Ian and Murphy just seemed to be training goals he was, his puck was very good um, particularly given his inexperience um, they're, like, they've won four out of the last five minor titles now you can probably write off like last year and the year before because those guys are going to be too young to be playing senior this year there are a few lads there I, I know there, there, will be, there will be some worries about whether over the past couple of years under Michal Dunu, whether enough fringe players got time and got the chance to develop, they're going to get the chance to develop throughout this league. Um, there's a lot to ponder lot to ponder for Shane O'Neill. He probably knows what he's going to get out of his experienced players. He knows what he's going to get out of uh, Canning and the two Mannions, Aidan Hart and these, but he needs to find a couple more. Um, and it's going to be an interesting league. I, don't, I think of all the managers, he's probably placing more stock on finding out more learning about because he's learning about a new squad a completely he's new probably squad. one of the managers who would want to get into a quarter final or semi final what's it each group winner goes into the semi final isn't it and then two and three go into yeah. quarters he would want a couple of competitive maybe a quarter final or a semi final maybe for Cork or Tipperary is that a is that a crucial thing I don't really think so do Kilkenny want it if it happens for them they'll take it is it crucial for them Kilkenny no always want it Kilkenny always <laughs> want it Cody always Waterford I would think would want it John would they would Water, Waterford would want to be in a league quarter final or semi final would they oh 100% I yeah. think the more games this Waterford team can win under new management um, the better the better will be but going back going back on Limerick you're on about uh them coming off last year they won they, they, let's not forget they had three trophies within the space of nine months and I think John Coyley they were my prediction before a ball was even thrown in this league and I think John Coyley I think he's going down the Kilkenny route of you know win let's everything. win whatever we <laughs> win, win everything win as many trophies as we can and then we'll, we can look back in it you know in five six years time and say you know what yeah, we won two or three league titles we won three or three months of titles we won two All-Irelands and you look at you look at their squad rotation and they're going down the same route as they were last year They every game they had about 10 or 11 of their, of their normal 15 again the weekend they did about 10 or 11 they left off Dean Lynch they left off Tom Conlon they left off Dermot Burns and Aaron Gillan and then they brought him they brought him on and I think John Coyley he'll go down the same route um, for, the, for the remainder of this league and I think he'll go all out to win the league they go on at Old Limerick having bad press um, over, over the winter I mean you look at the TV cameras yesterday you look at the, all the papers this morning I thought it was a touch of class the way the Limerick players they all lined up and took uh, 
on the bones of a half an hour, 40 minutes. There's an endless amount of time given to young kids yesterday for any amount of, of um, autographs yesterday, which I thought was fantastic to see. And I think that's going to get the public back on their side. Mm, and just on John Coyle yesterday, I was reading your, your piece this morning, Michael, and asked about the black card and hurling potentially, which I think has been floated. I've never, I, you very rarely see him, I guess, that animated. I was reading the quote, he certainly sounded animated. He was staunchly against it. He wasn't that animated. He just roll, he rolled his eyes to heaven. And <laughs> to be honest with you, I was absolutely loving it because I think the, the sin bin in Harlan and the black card is just... I, I, why would you change something that's not broken? If, if uh, cynicism... Well, there were challenges in Harlan matches yesterday that were a lot more serious than what got Jordan Flynn sent off. Now, there are two issues. One, they're two very different sports. Two, everyone is a member of the same association. So how can you have a situation where there were dangerous challenges in hurling matches yesterday and yellow cards were given out for, for fouls that were a lot less serious than what Jordan Flynn did to get a red in a football match? They're all members of the GA playing two very different sports. How do you square that circle? Yeah, I, 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 suppose I was more talking about the cynicism and, you know, mm. that, that black cards and lads basically getting put to the line for 10 minutes if, if you know, you foul or something like that, if it's a goal-scoring chance. Like, I think John Kiley spoke for a lot of people. He just said the game is the game is fine and Brian Cody would, would have the same opinion as well, that there's no need to change something that's not broken. Like the last, maybe not last year, we had a good summer last summer. 2018 was probably the, the best uh, championship we've ever had. So why go change something over, you know, a couple of incidents and I remember writing a piece about the potential of a black card coming in a couple of years ago like I look back at the 98 All-Ireland and Martin Hanamy the great Offaly cornerback like could have been put in jail for a tackle on PJ, on PJ Delaney and I've chatted to, chat to Martin about it like cynicism has always been there to some to some extent um, I don't think it's absolutely rife or that change is needed I haven't heard any I haven't heard that many people I, I calling wonder, for change I would wonder if they are bringing it into hurling, would they have to go back to what they originally did in football? Because somebody made a very good point yesterday. Ten, what, what now the punishment for a black card is 10 minutes in the sin bin. In hurling, that's a lifetime. Six or seven balls can fly over the bar while one team is down to 14 men. In football, you can cover up. You can you can hold the ball. You can do this. You can do that. Maybe if they are bringing in a black card in hurling, the penalty should be off and on. Mm. Like it used to be in the football, uh, I think that would be a better punishment. But there are incidents where players are running through and they're being dragged down. And we were told famously there's no cynical play in Ireland. Well, there is. Ah, well, there, def there definitely is. I don't think it's right for anything. Yeah, like that, John, what do you think about uh, this this argument? Yeah, but I tell you, if the, if the black cats was brought back in very days, everybody would have seen it. I couldn't get close <laughs> enough to your mull to pull you down. <laughs> You could no, have had, you could uh, have had a game of twenty fives with Fernie. <laughs> oh, colours! <laughs> no, uh, it's not for me. I, I totally echo what the, the two lads have said there. I think the, the, the game is the game is in is in is in a good state at the moment, and I think we'll leave it well enough alone. I think uh, you know. I, I think we just have to manage probably the yellow cards and, and, and the red cards a bit better. I mean, you look at John Conlon yesterday. I mean, the red card he picked up. I mean, if that is a red card, I mean. Where are we going? I mean, he caught, I know, look, he, he caught the helmet, John, which is absolute ah, no, no. John, John, John. I mean, I mean, he he, he led with the hand. It was it wasn't the close line. I mean, the Wexford player probably made the most of it. <laughs> also, and yeah. and for me, you know, it wasn't the right card. Hmm. Under the rules, it was. If you put your hand on an opponent's helmet, it's a red card. The Richie Hogan. I mean, we're seeing some of the some of the tackles that. <sighs> That are going without without any cards at all, and then uh, you see you see some incidents then, and they're they're 
you know, they're getting the ultimate, uh, the ultimate penalty of, of, of a red card. And for me, John Collins um, wasn't a red card. I mean, and it, well, 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 we, we saw the we saw I, the one John in the Cork Tipperary match, which to me was an absolute carbon copy of Richie Hogan's challenge in the All Ireland final. One player got a red card, one player got a yellow card. Coming in, trying to shoulder, the other player ducks down and instead of catching the other player shoulder to shoulder, you catch him shoulder to head. That's what happened in both incidents. One gets a yellow, one gets a red. Mm. You know. But, but that's, that's, that, that's, that's the argument that, and that's what's so annoying for supporters, pundits looking on, that there's not, the, consi- the consistency is just not there. And if you're the likes of Richie Hogan, and you're looking on and you're seeing that and you're being, after being sent off to the order in the final and then you're seeing other uh, incidents are going on scales. I mean, it would really infuriate you. Yeah, it would. Definitely. Well, well this is definitely going to be something that's going to be hotly debated over the course of the league and going into the summer as well. John, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And Michael, just to finish up on, on the matches, uh, we we're up against time here, so we don't have too long to talk about, but you know, Tip Cork, a very good win for Cork after you know their opening day defeat. And and also we touched on Tipperary earlier, two defeats from two. And Liam Sheedy still doesn't seem to be that uh, you know, kind of bothered by it. But um, you know, out of those out of those two teams, what have, what have you made of their first two weekends? Uh so Cork is kind of hot and cold, you're not really sure what you're gonna get. Even Kieran Kingston in his interview after the game on Saturday night said like people are crying out for consistency and you can't base consistency on them winning the other night so you need to see what they do the next day and the next day um, there's still we've always said it, their, their forward division is as good as there is but the likes of like having like Callum Spillane back he was he was missing all last summer to me he's their most important player I know that might sound ridiculous and he's playing corner back but he just offers them so much he's teak tough any forward's not going to get in close close to goal when he's around. Mm. So having keeping lads like that fit are huge. I thought Robert Downey was brilliant fullback. Um and it wasn't like big catches or big exuberant things. It was a load of, a lot of spoiling. He was just doing a lot of spoiling. Jason Ford hardly touched the ball on him for the guts of an hour. Um so that's quite promising for them. They still have a problem with centre back. Bill Cooper dropped back centre back when Tim O'Matney went off. And uh, by all accounts he played very well there against Waterford in the Munster League. So that could be an option for three and six. Those are the two most important things they need to nail down. It might have happened by default that Bill Cooper could end up centre back, but I think that could work. Yeah, and what about Tipperary, John? Where, where are they? What are they looking Grand, to get? They have the All Ireland title. Yeah. They have the McCarthy Cup, <laughs> yeah. and the season begins for them. Uh, well, the day they play Westmead and they stay up, that's all they want to do. And then it begins for them in mid-May when they start off under defence of the All Ireland. They're not the Munster champions. They'll probably have their eye on that. I, I think Tip are just about to have this thing that they incredibly have not retained the All-Ireland since 1965 and they are determined to put that right this year. They've had a couple of goes at it in this decade and didn't really... Well, they got to the final in 11, but uh, they really want to do that this year and I don't think Liam Sheedy is taking the league too seriously. He he doesn't want to be embarrassed or he doesn't want anything like that. I imagine they would certainly want to win one of their games. Uh, they played Limerick, they played Cork, so they would probably want to win one of their games against Waterford and Galway just to make a statement, then beat Westmead, then you stay up and then you whatever. Just on, on what um, Michael said about Cork, talking through my pocket here, having lost a pocket of bag of money on Cork to win the All-Ireland in what year 2018 I'm still convinced that if Alan Cadigan had been fit that year they'd have won it he missed it that year 
they had the match won against Limerick and let them off the hook with more injuries. When what did the guys not play? Daniel Carney, Daniel's gone away. Now again, you worry. I know lads have a life and a lads have everything, but when you see a guy like Daniel Carney leaving a panel, I know, I know maybe they have to say, well, look, I'm going studying this year, I'm going travelling, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, I'm not hurling this year. But I think to win it all, you've got to have all your bodies there. That would kind of worry me a little bit. But I think Cork are right there. Cork are going to be right there this year. I think Kieran Kingston, well, did he know in his heart and soul that he walked away too quickly? That he walked away too quickly in, what, 17, was it? 17 and 17. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and he's back and he's got the rock back with him and he's got the same sort of backroom thing and they had they had that year under John Myler and well last year wasn't a great year for them they were tame enough against Kilkenny but the year before they should have beaten Limerick and they would probably have beaten Galway in the All-Ireland Final Yeah and it was quickly on Wexford Clare a good win for Clare Tony Kelly was outstanding and it was kind of billed as a battle between Davey and uh, <laughs> and versus Lowen you know like I know they, don't, they famously don't seem to see eye to eye despite playing for Clare for so long together and it was a kind of very interesting subplot wasn't it like, you know, hanging over the day even like the final whistle people were interested to see what would happen or, or if you know if nothing happened as it transpired yeah no it was very interesting for kind of a, just a, a round two game in the league in you know the first weekend in February it, it, it was a big talking point around it um, Wexford to me are always going to not struggle they're always going to be under pressure during the league when they're missing when they're missing Mahan and Lee Chin and, and Dermot O'Keefe particularly for the early rounds they'll get better as the league goes on but I think are, are they not a team Michael, that needs to win the league uh, if they had if they had the a, bodies, a, if yeah. they had a full squad I think they would but I think like they introduced Joe O'Connor at wing back or a cornerback yesterday Aidan Rochford in the forward line and there was a couple of interesting things happened actually I don't know if you saw the, the clips last night where Polly Foley was standing over a free they were playing against the Gale and he just got one he actually ran away 10 yards got one of the lads to flick at them he poked it out to someone else and they worked it in and were able to get a score so you can see kind of new things happening Lee Moog uh, McGovern took a, a short puck out the midfielder he took it on his own 21 to the yeah and then uh, he ended up being on the end of it and putting it over the bar yeah. so there's still new things kind of happening there Davey just wants to learn more about his squad I, I don't in an ideal world if they had everyone I think yeah. they would go for the lead because it's a national title yeah, I just I think he's more he's more concerned uh, with getting some new faces in because that's probably ultimately what cost him not having probably two to three lads to come on with 15 or 20 minutes to go against Tip last year to make an impact yeah and just looking at some of the other results you had Dublin beating Leash a bit of revenge for last year in the championship Waterford getting their second win of the campaign against Westmead Kenny likewise against Carlo but just to finish up on that Kerry win over Offaly uh, you know now well nice to him Monday morning sorry to hear this is this blue Monday it feels like it yeah very disappointing result for Offaly though yeah no it was Yeah, they were hurling with a gale in the first half and by all accounts they were quite aimless a lot of the ball going in was long ball. It wasn't. It wasn't, uh, you know, conducive to good forward play. They didn't score for I think twenty six minutes in the second half, and Kerry were kind of just chipping away the whole time. And by all accounts, the scoreline um, doesn't probably even do it justice. Kerry missed two or three goals in the second half and could have probably won by more. Uh, the only silver lining is that we do a, a pools competition where we predict the results um, in my own club and I do it in another club as well and I, I thought Kerry would win the game so I tipped Kerry and that was the tipping point and I actually won 150 euro out of it. <laughs> but uh, it's a silver Picking line. against it's, your own it's county, a silver your line. turncoat. Yeah, I, it's not a turncoat. You have to be uh, what you have to be on the fence as a journalist yeah, and you have sure. to give your honest opinion but no, it's a bit of a disaster because they're playing Antrim in two weeks time and if they don't win there's no hope of promotion mm. so yeah a lot on the line there yeah well sorry to end the podcast on a somber note but anyway great to have uh, John and Michael with me this week thanks so much for joining me cheers well
And that's all we have time for in the throne this week in association with Alliance. We will be back next week to review all the football action as Hurling is on a break. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and a good bye. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.